Hey, do you know that movies are back? Anybody been to the movies? I got to go to two movies this week. One was terrible. The other one was pretty good, though. I enjoyed the other one. And so uh, I got to go see these movies. Have you ever noticed at the end of the movies, when the credits start to roll, if you've like really been enraptured, like you love this movie, it's been like really impactful, you just sort of settle back in your seat and you sort of watch the credits go. Anybody ever have that happen to you? Yeah, not yeah. How many people, though, uh, the moment the credits start to roll, you get up and dart for the lobby because you've had to pee for like an hour already? How many... Anybody ever had that happen to you? Yeah, they should not sell those Cokes as big as they make them. Uh, But anyway, that's true. Um, When the credits roll, it used to be when the credits roll, you get up and you just go, go out. But then the Marvel movies came into play. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Marvel movies have, if you're sitting in a Marvel movie, suddenly people around you are like, don't get up, don't get up. Just wait, 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 it's just a little bit. And you're like, what's, what's going on here? And then you wait a little while, and when you get to a strategic point in the credits, they go to a bonus scene. Do you know what I'm talking about? So there's like a bonus scene, and it's a trailer, or it's a cut scene for a, the next Marvel movie, and you're like, oh, awesome, right? Anybody ever had that happen? Um, there are some, some creative movie makers in the middle of their credits have created what they call Easter eggs. So they'll put something in the credits just to get a laugh or to see who's reading the credits. And so I thought I would share a couple of these with you this morning. Uh, Back in the day, in the old days when they did spoof movies, the Naked Gun two and a half had this scene in the middle of it uh, during the credits. It says this, first company grips, crane grips, dolly grip, and then it says poly grip, Martha Ray. If, if you don't know what polygrip is, it's the stuff you use to keep your dentures in. And then it says, what the heck is a grip? It's a person responsible for the maintenance and adjustment to the equipment on the set. In the sequel to Naked Gun 2 and a half, Naked Gun 33 and a third, uh, there was this, which I just thought was hilarious. People who were cut out of the movie, but it wasn't their fault. And there's all these people listening, but my favorite is just a few down. It says, Don Corleone, Mar- Marlon Brando. We cut Marlon Brando out of the movie. It wasn't his fault, but we cut him out of the movie. The best one, though, is the one that I found from the movie Frozen, the Disney movie Frozen. If you've watched the credits long enough, it comes up with this at the end. It's like a disclaimer. And it says, the views and opinions expressed by Kristoff, who's one of the characters in the film, that all men eat their own boogers are solely his own and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Walt Disney Company. And I just love that they hid this stuff in the credits uh, of these movies, right? But normally, when you're watching the credits, everybody gets out and walks off. Unless you know there's a cut scene or unless you know there's going to be bloopers. How many people love the bloopers at the end of a movie, right? You, then you stick around, but normally you just walk right out. In fact, if you're ever watching a movie on TV... The credits still roll on TV, have you noticed? But it goes into turbo mode. It's like, as the next show is starting even, right? And so I was thinking about the credits of these movies. And the temptation in Romans chapter 16 is to just zone out, right? You start seeing this list of names and you think, blah, 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 blah. And you think to yourself, can we just get on to 1 Corinthians, right? Today we are going to roll the credits on the book of Romans. We've been studying this book of Romans since early in the year, uh, and we're going to finish it up. We're going to finish the book of Romans today. We're finishing the book of Romans. Not woo. You're supposed to go, aww, single tear. 
I actually have loved Romans, and I'm sort of going to be sad to see it go, but we're going to finish it today, and so I thought we would jump into it this morning. Uh, If you've got your notes, grab them. If you've got a Bible, open them up, but let's go back to the key verse of Romans. I want us to, I want to remind you where we started. This is the key verse for the whole book. It was in week one. It says, for I am not ashamed of this, what? The good news. I'm not ashamed of this good news about who? Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Let me give you a quick summary of the book of Romans. Ready? Romans 1 through 3 says, you are a sinner. Now that doesn't sound like good news, but it's true. You are a sinner. You're, you're a sinner. You know you're a sinner, right? Everybody just not, you know what you did, right? Okay, good. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Romans 4 through 6 is basically, but God in his grace provided us a savior. Now that is good news, right? That's good news. God gave us this savior and his name is Jesus. Romans 7 through 11 is this good news is for everyone. It's for the Jew and the Gentile. It's for both the Jews and the Gentile. We'll see that here in this verse. And then in Romans chapter 12, the book turns and we see because of this good news, the word used as therefore in 12.1, how we should respond to this good news. And we respond as a living sacrifice to God and to others. And then in Romans 16, I don't want you to miss this last part of Romans. In Romans 16, I want to show you something that's really important about actually a lot of books of the Bible. Here's the first point this morning. Ready? Romans is a real letter to real people. This is a real letter written to some real people in Rome. And sometimes we forget that. We think of our Bible as, well, this is our Bible. I mean, it was God writing it to us and that is true in some regard, but we need to remember that originally the Bible was, actually it was lots of books, right? It was books of history, books of prophecy, of poetry, of songs, and, and, a, and a bunch of the New Testament are actual letters, real letters written by someone and written to someone. And so we're reading someone else's mail whenever we read uh, one of these letters. And it's clear when you get to this last chapter, chapter 16 of Romans, that that's what's going on here. So if you've got your Bible open, if you've got your device, go ahead and grab it and open. Most of the scripture is in your notes, but we're hitting more than I could get in your notes. So follow along with me this morning as we jump into it. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church in Centria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of what? Honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many. And what else? Especially to me, Paul writes. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for who? For me, Paul says. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Now the rest of these verses are not in your notes printed in front of you, but they are in the Bible. You can follow along up on the screen or in your device. And I'm going to butcher some names along the way, okay? So just so we all understand each other. Greet my dear friend Epenetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who are in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. And my dear friend 
Stachy. Stash. Stash. That sounds like an infection, doesn't it? I don't know what it is. Stachies. Greet Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves. And give my greetings to the believer in the, from the household of Aristobulus. I have no idea. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people in the household of Narcissus. How would you like to have the name Narcissus? Do you know Narcissus meant then what it means now? It's like naming your kid Ego Boy. You're Ego Boy. Come over here. Um, Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa. I don't know if they're twins. The Lord's workers and to dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Give my greetings to Asyncritus, Phleglon, which sounds like phlegm to me, Phleglon, Hermes, Petrobius, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philologus, Julia. Thank God for Julia, a name I can pronounce. We, aren't we all thankful for Julia, don't you think? Julia, Julia. You can name your kid Julia. Nerys and his sister, and to Olympus, and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor right now and... Awkward. Don't do that. Don't do that. Some of you, if you're single or sitting next to someone cute, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. So we have the credits. We're rolling the credits on the book of Romans. And there's a few things we can learn from the closing credits. So let's look at them. What we learn from the closing credits of the book of Romans. The first is this. The church was diverse. This church was diverse. The very first thing we notice when we're going through this list is the names. It begins with a woman named Phoebe. Phoebe, that's unusual, by the way, that it would start with her. Phoebe was a deaconess, we see in this passage, and especially helpful to Paul. Paul entrusted this letter to Phoebe to deliver it to Rome. If Phoebe doesn't show up with the letter or gets lost in transit, there is no Romans. Phoebe was was important to delivering that. But what is more significant is that Paul starts with a woman on this list. It's unusual that he would do that. This was a male-dominated society, both in Rome and Jerusalem, and to start with someone who is a woman kind of gives them the most importance in a list, and he starts with a woman. So that's really important. The second list is Priscilla and Aquila, which is a husband and wife team, or should I say, a wife and husband team, because she's listed first again. It's very odd. It's very strange. We see Priscilla and Aquila uh, from the New Testament But she was probably the dominant personality of the two of them. She was probably the more gifted teacher of the two of them. They're listed in Acts chapter 18. They have a church in their house. And honestly, uh, they were very instrumental in training a young pastor by the name of Apollos. In fact, there are eight or nine women listed in this list, which is really unusual for, for a list like this, including Rufus's mom. I love Rufus's mom. Like Rufus's mom, Paul is saying, this is like my mother from another brother. This is, she's like my mother. She took care of me as if I was her own, right? And we see that these people were very important in the Roman church. Important enough for Paul to mention them by name. And, and we're still reading these names thousands of years later. That's crazy to me that we're reading the names of these people a thousand years later. But it wasn't just diversity of gender, which we see very clearly at the beginning. In this list, there are Jewish names, there are Gentile names, 
There are names that are associated with the Middle East, names that are associated with Asia, some from Europe, European descent. But it's not just nationalities. It's also, there was people on this list who had considerable means. They were well off. There are a couple of people listed, Aristubulus and Narcissus, have both been listed as, or thought to have been, the heads of household or the head of an estate. And so they had significant means, right? And names like Rufus and Urbanus were very common slave names. So we've got all this diversity. We don't see the distinctions of gender or race or class. These are all just co-laborers of Christ. They're all equal in Christ. And we're supposed to greet each other with a holy kiss. Now this holy kiss, greeting each other with a holy kiss, is kind of a, it's kind of like, in Hollywood, do you ever see people in Hollywood who greet each other and they do the, have you seen that? Do you know what I'm talking about? This is, it's a, it's a sign that we are more than just uh, acquaintances. Like, we actually have some affection. I call it the bro hug. You know how the bro hug works? Come here, Mike. Let me, show, let me show the bro hug. The bro hug starts with a high five, but then you pull it in. You know, you pull it in. That shows that we're more than just bros. We're bro hug guys. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They had a genuine affection for each other, whether one was a wealthy businessman and the other was a slave. Or a, or a woman or a man or people from, from the Middle East or people from Europe. You understand? There was, there was this great diversity. Listen to what it says in the scriptures. Galatians 3.28. There is no longer what? Jew or Gentile. There is no longer what else? Slave or free. There is no longer what? For you are... We're all one in Christ Jesus. And we see this diversity. Listen, the church should be a place where the wealthy and the poor are brothers and sisters in Christ. The church should be a place where people from Woodbridge are, are, are friends and co-laborers for Christ with people from the east side. Does that make sense? Like, it should be that way. All races should sit together and eat together and gather in community groups and serve together. We work hard together. People of different languages, right? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Gente con diferentes idiomas son hermanos y hermanas en Cristo. First service was better? Dang it. I worked hard practicing that. This, okay, gotcha, yeah, okay. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is, it doesn't matter what language you speak, what race you are, what gender you are, what your background, your wealth, we are diverse and we're supposed to be diverse as the church. We are stronger because we're diverse as a church. Here's the second thing we learn. The church needs connection, not isolation. The church needs connection, not isolation. This is the one that doesn't leap off the page until you think about it. When you look at all those names that I just read, look at all those names. And let me ask you a question. How does Paul know those people? How does Paul know them? He's never been to Rome. He doesn't, I, I can't imagine he knew them in person, but he, Paul, somehow knows these people. Um, he served, we see in the text, he served with Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth and in Ephesus, we see in some other uh, books of the Bible. He called Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who are in prison with me. Paul was in the big house with these people, if you know what I mean, so he knew them. Um, but we see this again and again. How did he know these people so well? And the truth of the matter is, is Paul got around. Paul must have spent some time with these people. He had to know these people in order to call them by name. I gotta be honest with you, this has become 
my biggest concern for the church and really for our society in general. This has become my biggest concern. I am watching daily our society get more and more polarized and isolated. And I see people trading real relationships for... I I see them trading real relationships and connection for digital relationships and isolation. I don't know how else to say it. But that's what I see. I see people trading real phone calls for text messages. I see people trading staff meetings for Zoom meetings. I see people trading going to the movies with your friends to sitting alone on your couch watching Netflix. I see people trading worship services for streaming services. And uh, don't get me wrong here. Oh, camera two is under construction over there. Camera two, can you give me a close-up up here? Oh, yeah, right there, camera two, you got me, all right. If you are watching this online right now, I want to be sure that you understand. You could zoom in, zoom in a little closer. Make sure you're getting me nice and cl- not too close. I shaved, but I didn't trim my nose hairs. I don't want to, if I sneeze, it'll be like a party favor, so don't do that, okay? I- I'm glad that you're tuning in, and I know half of Lodi is in Hawaii or Disneyland this week or wherever you go on spring break, but, or a fall break, but honestly, I need you not there. I need you here. Like, I want you down close. I don't even spit that much. I don't spit that much, do I? If you sit one row back, you're clear, right? Yeah. We, we need you here. You cannot experience this the way that it's supposed to be. Streaming church is not a substitute for worshiping together. It's not a substitute for serving together and for growing together. It's why, as a church, we invest in physical spaces, We put these spaces in place so that you will have face-to-face time. That's why we have a coffee bar. (laughs) That's why we have a gymnasium. It's why we have a welcome terrace out there. It's, It's why we built a youth patio with a fire pit. We want people gathered together face-to-face and growing together because I'm watching a time where people are becoming more and more isolated. Paul was not isolated. Paul was not in an ivory tower writing Romans. He was with the people. That's what he did. Guys, men, men, this is especially true for men. I, I read some research this week that's a little troubling. Men, as they age, they, they have less and less real friendships in their life. Um, by the time men are in their late 50s, most men have very few relationships other than their wife. It's true. Um, according to Scientific American, I read this this week, living in isolation is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah, in fact, living an isolated life, they say, will strip 15 years off of your life expectancy. Those are crazy numbers, and I see us as a society moving to that. And this isn't just now. This goes all the way back to creation. This goes back to the Garden of Eden, right? Remember in Genesis, God is creating things and he, he made this and said it was good and he made that and said it was good and he, he made trees and they're good and animals, they're good and he made man and it's good and then he said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. And I saw this quote this week which really hit home for me. If you are struggling with loneliness and isolation, I really want you to see this quote from Pastor Tim Keller. It says this, Adam was not lonely because he was imperfect, but because he was perfect. Get this. The ache of friends is the one ache that is not the result of sin. God made us in such a way that we couldn't even enjoy paradise without friends, human friends. Adam had a perfect quiet time every day for 24 hours a day. 
Yet still, he needed friends. If you are lonely, you aren't dysfunctional, you're healthy. You're lonely because you're not a tree. You're lonely because you're not a machine. To need deep spiritual friendships is not a sign of spiritual immaturity, but of maturity. It's not a sign of weakness, but a sign of health. We need each other. Look at the person next to you. Say, I need you. And then say back to him, I need you too. We need that connection. Listen to what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, he makes the whole body fit together, how? Perfectly. As each part does its own special works, it helps the other parts, what? Grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Good ministry is done with good friends, and I would add with some good food nearby. That's what I think. It should, can I get an amen at any? Am I the only one that's hungry? Is it, okay, good. We need, we need that. Um, now, here in the middle of the credits, we're going to get a bonus scene. We get a tiny little bonus scene. A couple of, couple of verses that sort of don't fit in the credits, and it's a little bit of a bonus teaching, and it's so important because I want you to understand this. This letter is from real people to real people. It's a real letter from real people, and it is based on truth. It's based on truth. This needs to be said uh, in our day and age. And listen to what it says here in the verses 17 through 20. It says this. And now I, take, I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who what? People who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things. What are they? Contrary to what you have been taught. What are we supposed to do? Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. We see this list of people on, on, in this passage, and there's all these great people listed there, but there are some people not listed there. And those people are those who are causing division. And he's saying, literally, stay away from them. And what we learn from the closing credits in this particular part is this. There are some indisputable matters when it comes to our faith. I don't know if you remember, but a couple of weeks ago I was talking, I, there was a whole chapter about we accept our brothers based on, uh, based on over disputable matters. In Romans 14, 1, it says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over what? Disputable matters. But here Paul is saying there are some indisputable matters. There are some truths we won't bend on. Our faith is based on them and we won't bend on them. In a world that screams, you have your truth, and I have my truth, and don't tell me what my truth is for you. It, like, we, there are some indisputable matters that we stick to. Because the truth of the matter is, truth matters. Truth matters. We've got to stay close to the truth. Jesus said this in John 14, 6, talking about himself. Jesus told him, I am the what? The way and the truth and the... And no one can come to the Father except through me. Paul says, you got to watch out for people who cause divisions, 
who upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. The good news is the good news. Don't let them tell you it's something else. You stay away from them. Truth matters. It matters. We are saved by grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to God. There is one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. I will not bend on that. I will not. It is an indisputable matter. It's an indisputable matter, and we will stick with that. Truth matters. But here's something else that matters, and we see in this passage, is that unity matters. Unity matters. God's church being unified matters. Causing divisions amongst God's people is not okay. Causing divisions is not okay in the body of Christ. Unity has always been a core value of being a Christian. It's a core value of the church. Listen to Jesus' own prayer as he prays in John 17. He says this, I pray that they will all be one. Just in you, as you and I are, what? One. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. People causing division, we stay away from them because unity matters. Unity matters. Okay, so that's our bonus scene. And then we go back and the credits start to roll again. Here's how the credits roll again. And this is all the people who, in Paul's ministry, made the book of Romans happen. These are the screenwriters. They are the, they are the gaffers. They are the grips. They are the dolly operators. They are the craft services of the book of Romans, the people that made this letter happen. And so I want you to see that not only was it a real letter from real people, it's, it's two real people. Oh, I messed that up. It should be two real people. Uh, it took me two services to figure that I messed that up. Here we go. Romans 16, 21 and 23. Oh no, I got it right. This is the from real people. I was wrong and I thought I was right, but I was really right and I was wrong. Okay. From real people. Here are the people. Are you ready? Timothy, my fellow worker, send you his greetings. As do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater. Sosipater. Sosipater? Sosipater? I don't know. My fellow Jews. I, Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul, send my greetings too as one of the Lord's followers. Gaius says hello to you. He is my host and also serves as host to the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greeting, and so does our brother Quartus. So what do we learn from the closing credits? Here's the thing we learn. It takes all kinds of people. All kinds of people is what makes the church work. Tertius wrote the letter for Paul. He literally wrote the letter. Paul dictated it to him. He wrote the letter. Phoebe carried the letter from where Paul was to Rome. Gaius had an Airbnb that let Paul stay in his Airbnb as long as he needs to while he's writing the letter, right? Uh, Rufus's mom made Paul chicken soup whenever he was sick and, and bandaged his boo-boos. That's what she did. She was his mom in the other city. Erastus, we don't know for sure, but Erastus maybe financed the work or was the accountant in the work. We just don't know. These are names that you will never hear again, but they were so important to Paul and important to the book of Romans being written and, and, and handed out. I want you to think about this. Think about all the people it takes to make a church work. Think about all the people it takes. In fact, I thought about that this week, and I thought to myself, you know what? Let's roll the credits on First Baptist Church of Lodi. Let's roll the credits. Are you ready? Here we go. First Baptist Church of Lodi. 
I had the staff help me put this together this week, and I created this document, and then they just kept adding names. And at first it was two pages, and then it was four pages, and then it was eight pages, and then it was 16 pages. And you see the names that just come up again and again and again. There are people that will never step on this platform that make this church go. They will never make, step up here. And you know, only a few people stay for the credits. Do you know that? The only people who stay for the credits are the people who are like, looking for my name. Am I up there? Did I serve in the nursery? I'm not crazy. Okay. And, and, and you see all these people who are doing that, right? Um, by the way, uh, if your name is not on this list, I apologize in advance because we were trying so hard, but there was so much. And at some point we lost track. And honestly, I need a tertius, someone to write things down for me, if you know what I mean. So we see all these names. It's like one of those giant photos. You ever get those giant photos at camp? And you're looking for you the moment you get it. And you're like, there I am. Look at me. And you're like, I, oh, my hair. What's wrong with my hair in this picture? You know what else? Nobody notices. We don't, we don't do what we do in order to be on the credits. That's not what we do. We do it because God has called us to do it. Because we need to get the job done. The famous actor can't get his job done if the grip hasn't gotten the set set up the right way. The the lights don't work for the scene if the gaffer hasn't run the electricity to the right place. The, The sound doesn't work at all if the python wrangler, and that's a real term in the movie industry, doesn't pull all the cables to where they need to go. And an actor doesn't have anything to do if a screenwriter doesn't write some great dialogue for him. It takes all kinds of people to make the church go. And we see it again and again. By the way, if your name is on this list, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, If your name isn't on this list and it should have been, have grace, forgive me. But if your name isn't on this list because you haven't been serving yet, yeah, If your name isn't on this list because you aren't serving yet, we need you on this list. There is a next group of people to reach. There's a next lost person that needs to hear about Jesus. There's a next teenager or kids ministry event that needs you, and we need you to jump in and be a part of that. Listen, can you imagine how cool it is in eternity to know that your name was listed in the book of Romans chapter 16 and it was printed and reprinted and millions upon millions upon millions of time people have read the name Phoebe or Jason. Isn't that cool? Phoebe, Priscilla, Aquila, Rufus, Urbanus, Tryphena and Tryphosa, Lucius, Jason, Jason, Sospiter, Gaius, Erastus, all those names repeated throughout history. Which leads me to? So what, Steve? What do we do with this? Well, I want to read you the final verses of the book of Romans. Here they are. It's going to put it all into, Paul does a great job wrapping it up. Now, all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my what? Just as my good news says, this message about who? Jesus Christ has revealed his plan, to, uh, his plan for who? You Gentiles. A plan kept secret from the beginning of time, but now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to who? All Gentiles where? Everywhere. So that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God 
through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen. The so what of Romans is this, is that we would bring the good news to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? It's us. It's us. That includes you. Now listen, maybe you have been here checking out Jesus, and I hope you have during the book of Romans because it's such a clear explanation of our faith. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure what you believe, but you've been checking it out. I I want you to see how Romans provides this very clear explanation of what our faith is about. Some people call this the Romans road. And I just want to run you through some verses in the book of Romans that explain what we believe. And I actually start with a verse that most other people don't, but I think it's important to me, and it's Romans 1.20, and it says this. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky, and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. You know what I call this verse? I call this verse the come on man verse. Come on man. Like, how in the world can you look around at nature and not believe this? How in, I don't even understand how it's possible that a logical, rational being would say, here's what I think. Something was created out of nothing, and then it evolved into everything. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me when you look at nature, right? That, that, uh, it's, it's a, the, when you look at the complexity of life, when you look at the diversity of life, when you look at the way life interoperates between those things, it's impossible for me to believe that you don't understand that. It's come on, man. We live in this Goldilocks planet that if the tilt of the earth is off just a little bit, everything dies. We live in this planet that if we were just a little bit closer to the sun, everything dies. A little bit farther from the sun, everything dies. And everybody goes, wow, that was lucky. Like, I don't get it. Uh, uh, Humans walk around this earth and we breathe in oxygen and out carbon dioxide. And trees breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. Wow, that is really lucky those evolved the way they did at the same. This is my come on, man. Like, come on, man. It takes way more faith to believe in that than it does to believe in God, a creator. That's my first verse there. And then we see this. Romans 3.23 For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. You're a sinner. Look around. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Can we we acknowledge that? You know how I know we're a sinner? Anybody ever had a two-year-old? You do not have to teach a two-year-old to be like, no, right? And we are all rebellious and disobedient. It's like built into us. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, You know, we're all sinners. I don't know what to tell you. It's a part of being human. But get this in Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were what? While we were still sinners. Listen, I don't know where you're at in this journey here today, but honestly, you don't have to clean up your life first. You don't have to have it all together. You don't need to fix it before you can come to God. You, he did this while you were still a sinner. You can't earn it, man. You can't earn it. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages are something you earn. You deserve it because you're a sinner. You deserve death. But a free gift is given to you out of affection, out of love. And God loved you so much while you were still messed up, while you are still a sinner, that he said, I still want to give you my son. And he had his son die on the cross for you. 
And then Romans 8, 1. So, so now there is what? There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. When you accept that gift, that free gift from God, death has lost its grip on you. And you have eternity with, with God. And how do you accept that gift? It's no more plain than in Romans 10, 9, where it says, if you openly declare that what? Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God what? Raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Do you know this Jesus? Is today your day to know this Jesus? Maybe God has you here today for a very specific reason, and it's to make a decision to follow Jesus. Would you just bow your heads wherever you're at? And God may have brought you into this room on this particular Sunday to hear that very short explanation of what the good news is. And in your heart right now, you know you're wrestling with it. God has made it clear to you that his son Jesus is who he said he is, the way, the truth, and the life. That, that God loves you even though you're still a sinner. You know you're messed up. You're sitting there right now going, think God could never accept me. Let me repoint to you that verse that says, you're still messed up. It doesn't matter. God says, I still love you and I want you. And today may be your day to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to make that commitment right here and right now. If that's you and today you're like, I need to follow Jesus. I need to make him my Lord and Savior. Would you just slip up your hand wherever you are and let me, let me see your hand. If God is calling you to make that decision for the first time here today, would you slip up your hand and let me just see where you're at? God, whatever you're doing in our hearts this morning, Father, I pray that you would move in us, that we might be good news people. God, I pray that you would, uh, even as we look at this list of names, God, that that I want my name to be on that list too, not for selfish reasons, not because I need the credits to roll, God, but I just, I want to be working for you. I want to be making this production that you have going beautiful. God, help us to live as people who are uh, anointed and called. God, I'm so thankful for the Apostle Paul and for this clear book that tells us exactly what the good news is and how we're supposed to live as a result of it. Father, I pray that as we leave here today, we would be people of the good news, people who are living like we are involved in something bigger than us, a production that needs our help. God, let us be the people who the credits roll and we see our name. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.